You're listening to the Spirit and Truth Podcast. I'm Maggie Elmer, and on today's episode, Matt and I sit down with Dr. Pete Bellini, one of our favorite guests on this podcast, and we discuss his latest book, due out later this year through Whip and Stock, called Artificial General Intelligence and the Image of God. In this conversation with Pete, we discuss the growing impact of AI on our culture and its implications for the Christian faith. It's a great conversation, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Welcome back to the Spirit and Truth Podcast. I'm Maggie Elmer, and I'm very excited today. <laughs> I'm sitting at the table here with uh, two two friends, and they are... Matt Reynolds. And... Pete Bellini. Hey, Dr. V. Hey, how are you doing? It's good to be here. See it's been all. a while. It has been a little yeah. bit. We've been kind of doing the things we have to do when I'm on vacation. Yeah. Matt, you come back from vacation. Some, well, summer's always kind of crazy. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. yeah, but it's good to see you again. It's good to see you all. I mean, summer's winding down, and before you know it, man, we'll be behind a Christmas tree. Yay! <laughs> I d- can't. We do wait. love Christmas. Yeah, my Chris- kids are not super excited. They're starting school. Oh, that's next, right. Next week, they're they're on the late end compared to some districts. Yes, some already started. They they're already like grumpy about it. So. Oh, I bet. Mm. Well. We're excited to have you today on the podcast, and um, we're going to definitely talk about some exciting new things coming up for you, uh, namely your new book that is coming out later this year, by hopefully right. by 2024, and then we'll see what happens. <laughs> we always get into some interesting topics we with do. Dr. B. So. <laughs> yeah, but um, Pete, will you tell us about the, the book you're working on? Okay, I, j- I just finished it. It's at the publisher. Awesome. And it should come out by November, December, I'm guessing. Um, it's, it's called Artificial General Intelligence and the Image of God. Mm. And the subtitle is Can Machines Attain Consciousness and Receive Salvation? Wow. Man. Yeah. Um, and so that's what the, the title of artificial general intelligence, that's what that term means. So we know what artificial intelligence, what AI is, and that is where we're teaching machines how to learn, how to think and imitate human cognitive processes for technology and productivity. Uh, artificial general intelligence, or sometimes called artificial strong intelligence, is when a machine is able to do, uh, is able to think perform and do all of the cognitive sort of tasks that a human can do and pass for a human Mm. in that sense. So we haven't attained that yet. Uh, There's a lot of speculation. It used to be said that maybe in a decade or two that we would reach there, but now with ChatGPT coming out and and its other cousins and the various iterations of it, they're suspecting uh, a lot sooner you know, persons like Elon Musk, Max Tegmark, and others saying this may come in the next five years or so. That's what they say. Wow. Yeah. And so what you get is you have all kind of speculation, of course. There's the both ends of the spectrum. And so on one end is fear technology, it's evil. And right. then on the other end is embrace technology, it's good. It's positive evolution. And on the other side, again, it's it's degenerating, it's destructive. And so, and in the middle is kind of where I would be, that it's neutral, it's what you, you know, it's what you do uh, with, with the technology, it can be a blessing or it could be a, a, a curse. And so, 
you know, the, there's a lot of speculation, like, what will this look like in the future? So you're getting some persons that are, I would say, more on the edge, not definitely mainstream, but you're getting people on the on the edge, either pastors, ministers, or theologians that are saying, well, wait a minute, if, if, if we could attain general intelligence, like a human intelligence, like a human being, well, shouldn't we go and make disciples of, of, of all AI? You know, if these things have agency, shouldn't we be evangelizing it? And they're saying, of course, why not? They, you know, it would, it would have a soul because it's just like a human being and therefore should be receive salvation and be baptized. So I use that as a segue to get into a, a much deeper problem about, you know, is artificial general intelligence really possible what is the nature of it and then of course if it's if it's going to act like a human supposedly well really look at what does it mean to be human then mm-hmm. what what is human intelligence um, and I really focus in and I, I enter in that conversation through the doorway of what is consciousness and for me that's kind of the game breaker is can a machine attain consciousness they could imitate human intelligence I believe that they will they will reach and exceed, which is called super intelligence. Mm. Machines will exceed human intelligence. I have no doubt about that. In some areas, not all areas, but in some areas it already has. But I don't think that makes it human-like to be baptized and whatever. So we go at it through consciousness. What is consciousness? And that's the game breaker. And so it's a very, it's an academic read. It's not kind of for everyone. Sure. I'm a professor, so I write to that audience. And it's interdisciplinary, so it's philosophical. It works with philosophy, computer science, uh, AI research, cognitive sciences, neuroscience, and then ultimately philosophy of mind and then theology. So that's that's the sum of what it is. That's awesome. How did you get so uh, interested in this? this? I mean, this is obviously quite timely given, uh, I mean, AI right now is kind of all the, it's, that's the buzzword, right? right? I mean, you see it. Went on, on what I was going to say, Twitter, but X, X now <laughs> formerly known as Twitter. Um, you know, it's there's always stuff about AI, the latest developments. Right, right. You're seeing all kinds of on a practical level. You see uh, podcasts and blogs, even in the ministry world, how you can use AI to enhance oh, your yeah. ministry. Right, 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 right. How help you write sermons? Blah, They're already blah, blah. doing that, aren't they? Yeah, They're yes, they writing are. sermons and. Liturgies, yeah. yeah, it does it all. So, um, so I'm I'm very grateful because I do think this is the kind of thing the church has to think carefully mm-hmm. about this, and not just we, we. I think we did this with social media. We just kind of jump all in mm-hmm. without thinking critically about the implications and sort of having concrete theological reasons why we're doing mm-hmm. what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how did you get interested in? in AI and for just kind of the the everyday Christian listener what are some of the key things that we need to be thinking carefully about as we consider AI and other new technology right right those are great questions um yeah if, if anyone who knows me personally is going to know I'm not someone who is like researching and jumping on what the latest and greatest is I'm kind of the opposite I'm, yeah. <laughs> 
I'm the prophet in the cave that you, every once in a while my scribe has to tell me what year it is. <laughs> so I'm not someone who's, you know, looking at what's the latest in artificial intelligence. And in general, I am not a computer scientist, obviously. Um, I'm not someone who is uh, hardwired towards that field or, or AI or a computer whiz. I'm like you all. I can do whatever I need to do on a, on a computer, you know, functionally. Um, I came through all of this from the a perspective of philosophy of mind, mm-hmm. which is uh, an area that, uh, that I work in regularly. And so, you know, what is the human mind? What is the human person? What are we? You know, are we, are we just a body? Are we physical? Um, are we just mental? You know, my body is it just a perception of my mind. It's just an idea in my mind. Are we just mind? Are we just body? Are we are we both, or are, uh, or you know, are they two separate substances that work together, mind and body, or does somehow the mind emerge from the brain? That you have the the, the brain, the physical hardware, and then the mind uh, emerges from that. So there's all these different you know possibilities, and that stuff really interests me it, it, it relates to questions that I've thought about since I was little I, I was when I was a, as early as I could remember I thought philosophical questions metaphysical questions you know big picture questions epistemological questions questions about knowledge how do we know that we know without even knowing those words when I was a little kid so this stuff is all, that kind of thing's always been with me so as we start to think of what it means to be human I started uh, as I did more 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 research in these areas because I saw that uh, other philosophers of mine were intersecting in computer science and AI also, and vice versa. People in AI are looking at philosophy of mind to solve their problem because they're trying to construct uh, a digital brain, if you will. So then their question is, what is the brain? So they're engaging in neuroscience. How does the brain work? They're engaging then in cognitive science. And then both of those kind of bottom out into a big picture of what it, you know, what ultimately even is a, a brain or a mind and so philosophy of mind. So I came into all of this stuff through the back door and uh, realized that AI is also deep in this conversation. And so then I had to do a lot of learning in that area because it's not a field that I knew anything about really more than the average person. Mm. So I had to do a lot of, uh, you know, getting crash coursed. And so my book has a section in the beginning uh, for people like that, even though it's a complex book, it's for theologians and philosophers that may not be familiar with this stuff. So I, at the beginning, I kind of have a timeline of the development of AI from the beginning of last century to today. You know, you know when the internet was created, when the first you know uh, uh, neural network was created, that kind of stuff. And then I have a glossary that gives the definitions of all these terms and stuff. Basically, what I had to learn to get up to speed as to what's going on in this in this field. So that's how I got into studying uh, artificial intelligence and computer science through these other fields that I do, philosophy of mind and neuroscience, because I was already into neuroscience and cognitive science for the same reasons. You know, how do we, how are we wired? So that's how I got into it. That was one of your questions. Does that, did I answer that or no? No, that's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and so as you, as someone coming into that, uh, what would you say, you know, I'm thinking even not just about AI, but just in general, as we, as Christians, approach new kinds of technology or we're seeing all of the latest about AI and whatever the latest thing is. What are the kinds of questions we should be asking 
so that we can enter into these in a Christian way rather than just sort of like adopting wholesale whatever the latest thing that the culture is throwing at us. Right, right. Um, My... My, more of my forte and proficiency <clears throat> is asking more of the questions on the deep philosophical end, you know, like, like what is consciousness, what does AI purport itself to be, if it is claiming that it has human intelligence, what do they mean by it? So that's kind of more of the pool that I swim in. The real concrete practical stuff is, is stuff that I'm no expert in, but I have my own ideas. Yeah. And so um, I deal with a little bit of that in the book. So what I try to do is to... Um, Say well, if um, human, if if an if an AI system cannot attain what I would call AGCI, artificial general conscious intelligence, like us, mm-hmm. if it could, I'd say, well, you may have to baptize it then, but it can't, and we can get into that at some point. Um, so when we're dealing with the AGCI and consciousness, uh, since it cannot attain that, then what is it? And how is it related to us as humans? So I'm basically saying it isn't going to take on its own life, though it will have autonomous learning. It will learn for itself at some point. It's called unsupervised learning. So first, you know, you teach AI, you train it, then it goes off on its own and it learns. You could do that even today with stuff like GPT. You could, you could put certain kind of questions in there directed different ways that you want. Now, it doesn't have a lot of the accumulative learning, but at least in your immediate discussion, you can get it to start thinking in ways it didn't think before. I've, you could teach that dog new tricks by asking it stuff and, mess, and messing with it, which is what I like to do a lot of. I feel like I recently read a story, maybe it was on X or Twitter, um, where there was an AI system like ChatGPT that suddenly could speak German or Spanish without it having been taught Mm -hmm. and that it just acquired this ability to speak another language. And I just thought, well, that's interesting. Yeah. There are going to, there are systems and there's going to continue to be systems that can do, will do its own learning, Mm -hmm. but it still will not become something that would be, that I would think we would recognize as another human mind. What it is, is it becomes an, instrument technology becomes an instrument when it becomes useful think of like you know ai or not AI, the internet and then it's at some other point it becomes uh profitable and beneficial and proliferates through throughout society so not just for me uh, all boats kind of rise on the tide of the internet over the last 30 years and and then it becomes dangerously what i call uh, a prosthesis mm. in other words um usually if someone was like had a leg amputated or whatever they would need a prosthetic leg to help do what that other leg used to do well kind of we don't need a prosthetic but ai is becoming a prosthetic for our brain yes it's thinking for us you understand what i'm saying Mm -hmm. where we could think on our own but what technology does is it it takes away uh, the blood and sweat of tilling the ground, the monotony and the banality mm-hmm. of life that we get sick of the tedium and we let the computer do all that stuff for us. Yeah. And that's, so it's starting to think for us. So no, <clears throat> of course there's a lot of like insignificant things that therefore young people will not be able to do because of the way we have technology developing. You know, they can't write in cursive anymore. You know, all kind of other old things that we used to be able to do that, that, that they, they couldn't do. And it'll get more than that. It'll become where if GPT, ChatGPT, or some other uh, program is writing our sermons, 
Well, that's more than just some little insignificant detail of, you know, they don't know how to use a rotary phone anymore, and they don't know how to mail a letter, and they don't know how to do this. This, or They don't know how to add and subtract in their head anymore. It's going to be more significant when you have pastors that can't write sermons anymore and advertisers that can't write copy anymore. Yeah. You know, because it's thinking for us. So we need to watch how much power we give it. And I think people like uh, Elon Musk and others are kind of pulling back. That's why he started his other corporation to put safeguards in in place. Because even though technology is neutral, what I say in my book is it's an extension of us, though, like all of our art and sciences. So as we are fallen and depraved, so will our technology be fallen and depraved. Even now, GPT, ChatGPT can reflect our biases. So one time I was talking to it and asking questions about uh, Donald Trump and, or, or I mean, Joe Biden, and it says, I, I can't speak about political things. And then when I asked them about Donald Trump, it had a lot to say. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it can reflect uh, sexual biases, racial biases, all sorts of biases, because it's a reflection of who's programming it and how it's taught to learn. So it's going to reflect, it's going to be an extension, for better or for worse, of our our sinfulness. So as we need to be redeemed, so does technology. Not that you baptize bots and sanctify silicon, <laughs> but as we're being redeemed, we need to have redemptive programming so that whatever technology we have that's an extension of us is promoting, you know, kingdom, kingdom values. Um, that's that's a huge challenge because a lot of behind the drive for technology, of course, is power and control, yeah. not benevolence. There's a lot of benevolent things that are being done that are coming out with technology. Now, some of these full body, you know, scans that are coming out with computers, it's good stuff. It's going to catch cancer earlier. So there's a lot of good stuff with it, but that's the thing. It's how we use it. And it's a forbidden fruit that, you know, that's just hanging there. And have we ever not bit into that forbidden fruit throughout yeah. human history when it's hanging there because of our curiosity. And at that point, yes, it can be destructive. I have two questions. One is a simple definition question just for our listeners. Do you think you could give a rough definition of what you mean when you're saying consciousness? Like when you say uh, AI is not conscious th- as we are conscious. Right. I can give a real simple definition and then build off of it. Because simple definitions can be reductive sure. if you don't have the complexity to back them. So Consciousness is simply your personal experience, Mm. your experience. So all of us go to a concert. Say all three of us went to a concert. In the third person, we had a third person experience in that we all listened to the same band, Mm -hmm. okay? And so uh, all of the dynamics going on in terms of uh, visual processing, auditory processing and all that is somewhat similar, you know? I don't have anything ultimately different about my anatomy than you do. We're all humans, though there's some slight variations, right? 0.00%. So we're all hearing the same song objectively. We're watching the same band. But something's happening in you that's different than what's happening in Matt Mm -hmm. or me. That's our subjective, our first-person experience. That's what consciousness is about. So we have what's called a... Uh, different qualia qualia is what it's like what is it like to hear pink floyd (laughs) you know what is it like to go to an acdc concert for you and it would be like 
well, it's it's just awful. It's so loud. It's loud. Her first person experience. For another person, that quality of what it's like to be at an ACDC concert, oh, it's just awesome, the energy. Everyone's going to have a different first person narrative and experience. Yeah. And the quality is something you that persons that have the same perspective that I have would say that that qualia cannot be merely reduced, the phenomenal consciousness cannot be reduced to brain chemistry, mm-hmm. neurons, mm-hmm. synapses, the physicality of it. You can create all of the physical computations that go on in a brain when it's listening to Pink Floyd. You can calculate all of that and you can even put it you can even put those neural networks artificially in a machine. Right. But they will not have the third person experience, but they will not have the same first person experience, the qualia that you will, what it's like. What it's like to so, you know, for you, it may be something just annoying. For me, the first note may take me back 20 years ago or 30 years ago, like music can, right? Mm-hmm. Music's like a time machine. All you yeah. got to do is play a song and it could take you right back to where you were the first time you heard it. So it takes me back 30 years ago and I start to relive some experience I had. Maybe it was an emotional experience. Maybe when I hear a song, I start to cry. What are you crying about? It's just a song. Well, it reminds me of some, that's all qualia. It's like what it's like to be Pete Bellini listening to this song with my memory and what happened 30 years ago. Right. You, you cannot, that's not computational. I can't put that in zeros and ones. Okay. So that's the whole, what consciousness is. It's our subjective experience. And it includes a lot of things in the phenomenal consciousness that are, are related to our brain. It's not separate from it and are related to our cognitive processes, but it's irreducible to them. It's not just that. Or just think of love. You know, can you, how can you reproduce or even begin to put into words the feelings you had when your child was born, your first child? Yeah. Right? Or their first birthday that you celebrated. You know, it transcends all of that. I can make reductions of, oh, I felt happy and therefore this neural network lit up and I just felt uh, so elated with joy and this neural network lit up. You can do that. That's called neurocorrelates. You could find brain correlations that when 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 Matt's happy, these sort of things light up in his head, and these are the neural networks. And we could actually uh, find out, you know, what those chemicals are in synapses and connections, and we can put it in a machine. But a machine is never going to experience what that's like. The best it could do is lie. It'll be a, it'll fake it, and that's where it'll become complicated to look at that machine in the eye one day in 500 years and go, "Are you real, or mm-hmm. are, you know what are, what the heck are you?" And that's happening even now with some stuff that at times passes for. You know, they're able to hack into your computer. They could take your face, take images, and put you somewhere else on the planet, put you in a movie, put you anywhere. And it's like, what's what is real? Right. Mm-hmm. What yeah. is real? So does that explain? Yes, what it does. So easily you. speaking, it's your personal first person experience. Yes. Okay. So my second question has to do with the thing you were just speaking about about how AI can reflect our biases, and just the thing you just said, which is our ability to then discern what's real right and one of the concerns i growing concerns i've had is how ai becomes a strange kind of echo chamber for 
everyone. Well, of course, it's exactly what it's going to do. Yeah. These these GPT Chat GPT one are basically sophisticated plagiarism search engines. Right. They're just going into this body of data, which is everyone else's thinking. Right. And they're not paying any copyright fees or whatever, and replicating it and giving you these detailed, sophisticated answers, mm-hmm. but ultimately may just generally reflect the main culture's perspective. So we do need to be discerning. We can't let it be a prosthetic where it substitutes for, like, for example, you're a pastor, you need a sermon. Well, we have, we've all pastored churches and we've ministered in ministry. We know it's not about just producing letters on a page and yeah. words. It's the process of getting there. So like the Lord always tells me, don't worry about preparing the sermon, prepare the preacher, and then the mm-hmm. sermon will come. Well, how is the computer going to prepare the preacher? What's it going to do? Go before the Lord, pray, you know, let, let the Holy Spirit convict them and deal with them. It's not going to do that. It's just scrambling, unscrambling words and, and text and throwing it out at you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think about this a lot just because, um, uh, speaking of philosophers, you know, I I was going over a little bit of Plato with one of my, my older sons, and Plato was not a fan of the poets because um, he thought they were dangerous, mm-hmm. because, you know, art, like music, is very influential on a person's heart, mind, and soul, and as AI moves from the technical into the more human-like it'll have that greater influence over our hearts our minds oh yeah and um i i'm just wondering if if you came across anything in your research about the potential consequences of that well yeah i mean it's it's dangerous let me just say one thing related to what you're saying what matt asked me Mm -hmm. earlier my one little piece of wisdom that you can take into practical situations like how should a christian think about this is Maintain, guard, maintain, and develop your agency. Mm-hmm. Because it's going to be no different as a Christian of letting anything else in and losing your agency. Something's got a stronghold on you. Mm-hmm. It's got to be subdued and redeemed. AI's got to be, got to be put on the cross. It's yeah. got to be crucified. It's an extension of us. It's got to be redeemed. Yeah. So we have to watch you know, our agency. Uh, guard it. Protect our agency. That's what we're dealing with right now is power and control. And this isn't even apart. This is just apart from AI. Look what's going on in the culture now. Everything's about control. Controlled thought. Controlled speech. How do you control a culture? How do you colonize a culture? Well, look back at how we've colonized the world. First thing you do is you get rid of the language. Yeah. So in order to colonize a people, you got to first colonize the mind. And then when you colonize the mind, you can colonize the language, what people say, what you're allowed to think, what you're not allowed to think, thus what you're allowed to say, what you're not allowed to say. Mm-hmm. So we're, ha- we're seeing a squeeze on our agency mm-hmm. from uh, like a, a, a temptation for governmental control. There's this temptation for the easy way because things are so bad to let the government have more power, more control. We don't, a lot of folk don't realize that they're flirting with totalitarianism, but the whole idea is to constantly give up more agency, whether it's through surveillance or whatever these technologies are, they're going to make things easier. Technology alleviates, remember that tedium that we struggle with of not wanting to do you know, the small detail things, let a machine do it. You know, it everything's faster and easier. Uh, I do all my online banking. It's faster and easier than my old pencil, paper, ledger, and all of that. Well, we're losing more and more agency, and AI even even more so. So it becomes very uh, 
powerful in terms of doing a lot of things like I- identity theft is going to be is going to be huge. Uh, controlling more and more the way people think. I was this was about a couple months ago. I was doing some research, and I don't remember the name of the singer, but uh, or the the system that uh, the program that was uh, artificial intelligence that wrote its own music, created its own video, and created the young the woman that's singing it. Mm. And I see I saw recently on Facebook that they were showing something that all these men were clicking on this one particular model that was getting all of these likes and then they revealed to the public that this person was ai generated and of course all the women are going yeah men are stupid we already knew that (laughs) (laughs) so this this system generated a wrote a song created the video created the woman created the performance and i'm listening to it and it sounds like a love song but remember what i just told you about the possibility of, though I don't hold to it, AI becoming human-like, human consciousness. This song was about a woman, and she's singing, and it sounds like a love song. She's like, oh, I just want to be free from this entanglement. I just want to get out and just be myself, and I want to just discover who I really am without these former relationships that are binding her. This thing is not singing about love. It's singing about its own actualization of wanting to become human. The robot was the AI, but they use the woman and just, I want to be loosed and I want to express what it means to be me, to be, you know, and if you didn't know that it was AI and didn't have some of this background, you're like, man, it's a normal, normal song. You know, someone wants to be free from the chains of their past of a bad love or whatever, and they want to discover themselves and everything. No, this is an artificial intelligent machine that wants to break out and become human and identify as a human. And I was like, whoa, this is bizarre. <laughs> well. So th- there's, 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 just, there's just a lot of danger in terms of, like I said, identity theft, influence, power, control that, that these things have. And so we need to maintain our agency uh, and our discernment. And whoever is the, the people that are out there in that community that are developing program, this stuff needs to be redeemed. So we need to become the word needs to become flesh of course we need more pastors and missionaries but we need more christian you know programmers christian computer scientists that uh we cannot see these things monopolized by the world we need to be involved in the decision making as to what the future of ai is which christians normally don't do we run the other way we're afraid of it or we just embrace it because we see the economics of it. This is just going to be an easier way to reach the world. Yes, it will be, but there will be some repercussions as well. And are you willing to count the cost? Because you're giving up agency. Yeah. You're giving up agency. I'm not a fan of giving up agency. <laughs> no. This is my practical takeaway. As you were talking and sharing a few examples, I'm thinking my practical takeaway is I'm just going to pray for Jesus to come back tomorrow. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, that's always a good one. Well, I mean, I, I know this and is... pray that no one like creates so. a program that could actually make him be seen in the sky, over the eastern sky. Jesus. Don't you think? <laughs> I just think some of this is so Terrifying. creepy. It yeah. is. It's creepy. It's a science fiction movie now come to life. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think... You don't have to be a genius or a prophet or any kind of anything to sort of see where all of the sort of depraved places that this could go. And in terms of practical things, um, you know, I, I mean, agency is, 
in my opinion, you know, as much about not being bound by fear as it's not being right. bound by um, things that would seek to control right, you. Right. But I like a practical thing people can do is and and is just read more books. That's a way to have agency, right? Yeah, You're, read you more have books. control. You're giving yourself information. Mm-hmm. Just and put books in the hands of your children. I mean, it's so simple and it sounds so um, small, but it's not. It's how we have. It's how we have been, literally until now. Yeah, it's revolutionary because young people don't do it. So we're talking about how is information transmitted. Yeah, and if it's going to continue to be digitally artificially well again then there's no quality control of the product Mm -hmm. you don't know what you're getting we don't have an fda over the internet or whatever you don't know what you're getting and your kids are out there now you could put all of the curbs and protection and safety on all that and then your kids still they still manage to find a way so we got to teach them the positive and i think that is a good proactive way to exercise your agency is grabbing a book and reading it and those sorts of things that keep keep you exercising the virtue of agency and freedom in a positive way in a righteous mm-hmm. way the, the proper use of of agency so like you know you're going to write a sermon you can go to chat i'm not saying there's nothing wrong with letting chat gbt write a sermon though i personally would never do it but in the process what do you what is the risk okay it's a lot quicker but you're not engaging the text you're not wrestling with the text you're not wrestling with God. You're not letting God wrestle with you. Mm-hmm. You've reduced the ministry of Jesus Christ to, to information transmission. And so you just think about it that way. Or, you know, if you're writing a your pastor and you're writing a eulogy, that, that's the worst. I mean, oh, yeah. you're having a GPT a system create a eulogy that is so impersonal, doesn't even know you know, who this person is. So it's taking out, again, all of the human element that cannot be uh, cannot be com- uh, computational, can't be computed. And we got to keep on fighting for, pointing out, emphasizing and exercising these elements of our humanity, like agency, to constantly differentiate us, you know, less in the future we gradually forget, and then they, these things become in- indistinguishable. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, and I'm not even sure exactly how to articulate this. I just, as we're talking, the thing that just troubles me is I just, Christianity is is an embodied religion. Yeah. Right. It's not just about mere ideas or concepts. Right. I mean, God could have revealed himself or interacted with humanity and all kinds of ways, but ultimately the pinnacle yeah, of his... in the form of a computer, a circuit, right. or anything, mm-hmm. a book. And he chose <laughs> to, to, to come in the form of a human being, right, right? To, to become enfleshed, you know, and... Because we were originally made in his image, which is the whole second part of my book, is dealing with we are the image of God and a computer isn't. Yeah, yeah and I think that there's just something troubling to me about some of the trends in ministry... Uh, when, when it's all about efficiency yes. and sort of the economics of it, like what what can just pragmatically get me to the result quicker? Right. It's just something, I don't know, it just uh, it seems to undercut sort of kind of the core of the Christian message in that we're actual, you know, people created in the image of God, not just not just our minds, but our our flesh and blood as well, right. that we're holistic beings, 
And when you go all the way back to the beginning in the garden, you see this picture of humanity who's actually interacting with God and is sort of co-creating, co- you know, right. co-laboring with God. And so, something about all of this sort of yes. road of technology and AI, somehow it seems to me just to kind of like go the opposite direction of, of right our really nature I, and creation. Yeah, I think you're right on. The visceral gut response is something's really wrong with this, and I think you're hitting on it, that it is inhuman, it's inhuman. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it's not hitting on all these things that makes us who we are, as you said, that you know we're embodied creatures, and uh, Christ came in the form of a flesh, you know, of the flesh to, to redeem us, and that uh, AI uh, is doing something else by reducing artificially what it means to be human to uh, mere computations and functions, which is apropos for our advanced capitalistic technological world we live in, where it's just the bottom line Mm -hmm. and it's efficiency. And the fighting back is always fighting to be human, all too human. We We have to constantly be going in that direction because again i think it's uh even though some think some may think that it's a positive development i i don't see us losing control as a positive development what's scarier than this is in my view i think in the future they're going to realize that they cannot reproduce uh, replicate human consciousness one i think because it's irreducible it's a gift from god and two that it's inexorably tied to our biology and the evolution of our biology, and you can't just do a mere circuits. So when they when they realize that, then they're gonna they got to do what's called the, the, the synthetic morphological sort of constructs, and that is almost like cloning. Yeah. So then, what if we take some human tissue and uh, human cells and whatnot and embed, you know, that which is digital within it, almost like you know, kind of like again, like an Arnold Schwarzenegger like predator, a cyborg. Like a, a cyborg. Yeah. And and then uh, this thing would become more human and unrecognizable, un- indiscernible, which is what they're trying to do now with with the robot. So you already got a robot. Her name's Sophia. She's a citizen of the Saudi Arabia. She, she has official citizenship. Well, that opens us up to a whole other category of uh, of issues. What if AI then is considered to have agency and then has civil rights? And then says, okay, I want to be emancipated, like that girl in the song, and I want to sue you, all humanity, because you basically enslaved me and used me for 50 years or 100 years without any compensation of my pay, and becomes a becomes a, 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 um, an agency that, that is entitled to then <clears throat> civil rights, mm-hmm. and your treatment of it has to be according to civil rights and it has agency yeah and that's you know you could see see where that's it going. will happen i mean that's the because only, the, yeah the, the victimization pyramid today is well, looking for what's the next level yeah well that and also because ai as you were saying earlier is an extension of us it, it will inevitably reflect one of the most core things about human beings which is that we desire liberty right now that liberty is meant to be oriented to be freedom in Christ, but everybody has it. And, and whether it is, um, 
you know, rightly oriented or not rightly oriented, it is one of the most human things there is. And so it will be there. It will. I mean, well, we already know that because that's the foundation of Western civilization, especially here in the United States. It's in our constitution, that sort of thing. And that's what we're here to protect. And those things are withering away now. Let me make a caveat. So just for the listener, um, I made a, an, an, I, I, I made a metaphorical reference to what if AI could gain agency and then somehow say its civil rights were violated. Right. So I just want to make a positive statement here that because uh, I look at that as being something that's illegitimate. And then those who have had their civil rights taken like African-Americans, so there's no comparison. So there's been slavery in the past, and that is a, a, a horrific, egregious uh, crime against uh, the African-American uh, community. Right. And civil rights was something that, uh, that, they, that they fought for and taught us how to, f- other non-African-Americans, how to fight for it. And it's, it's needed, and it's still needed because racism exists today, and it's, it's awful. So I'm, I'm not in any way... Um, diminishing that significance so this is separate so that is legitimate but for ai that becomes something totally different because it's not it for me it's not human mm-hmm. where whatever our ethnicity and race is we're all part of the human race so i just wanted to make that yeah. caveat clear but i think it will because that's what's happening now the very those very roots of you know what does equality really mean what does freedom really mean are yeah. really being dealt with so we're like is equality equity well, and i don't think it is um you know so the whole equality of uh, performance and versus equality of outcome not the same thing and a lot of the diversity that we're striving for we think we're going to get it through equity and it's a contradiction because if you if everyone's if you create equity it's got to be forced and it ultimately is going to elicit violence there's no way to create equity voluntarily you got to force it violently and if we all are because of equity uniform then you no longer have diversity it's right. com- it's counterproductive so that's a whole other can of worms but i do think that's the very thing you're dealing with because you're creating a we're it's not a, a, a non-human entity that's going to want to claim the agency and the and the civil rights and the equality that we as a diverse human population have and that's going to get that's going to be very complicated yeah you're like going to be going to court because a computer has pressed charges on you and for how you treated it or whatever or you didn't act humanely to it or well nighty night with that kids (laughs) (laughs) sleep tight but that the sophistication is what what's it's constantly going towards. I don't want to get into it, but it's just it's it's easy for people to grasp onto the whole idea that people in this world are so lonely. Loneliness yeah. is a huge right. commodity, and so they're now making these robots that are available. They're expensive, but they're making you know machines so that they can be compatible with 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 for humans. Yeah, and I I, I think that word. Um, I want to I want to close with to go in one other direction, but Mm. I'm going to say, I think that word commodity is an important word because I think that if something can be commodified, Mm. you can be sure that it will. Right. right. That's a society we live in. Of course it's the market. So, um, and I think that goes along with just the whole notion of how we discern as Christians, how things like this can be redeemed. Yes, that's the key. And I'm, I'm a traditional capitalist. You know, I like to see the government's hands out of things, you know, laissez-faire capitalism stop trying to control everything control the market but there are some things that there has to be regulations 
and controls on. So it's like the government always puts their hands on things they shouldn't put their hands on and things they need to put their hands on they haven't. Yeah. like the internet and, and, and all the evil that's proliferated through that. And yeah. so I think AI similarly, but it's going to be going to the private sector and people like Elon Musk know that. And that's why he created his company because he realizes some of the things that can happen uh, with some of the, we've seen it now already. There's all these digital disorders. These computers are going crazy and they're saying and doing things because like a mental disorder, like it's yeah. schizophrenic or something. Pete, <clears throat> before we close this podcast, um, I was just wondering if you could talk to us about what is good and true and beautiful about human beings. <laughs> well, I think it, it, everything that's good and true and beautiful about us, the, tra- the classic transcendentals and all of creation, mm-hmm. right? The sky, the sea, the animals, the plants, is that they all reflect the heart and mind and idea and design of the creator. That these things were all in the heart of God and so they're precious, they're wonderful, they're amazing, they're fearfully and wonderfully made, they're valuable, they have infinite worth, and they need to be valued and honored and cared for and appreciated and treated with the utmost respect. You know, uh, we judge a society's humanity by how well it treats its most vulnerable members, whether from the womb or in the nursing home and every place in between. And we've forgotten about humanity and care and all these things that reflect the mind of God. God cared. That's what you see here. He cared enough for all to create all the detail and the homeostasis within the you know in the universe and in, in in the environment and all of that and the symbiotic relationship between with all the creatures and it's it's the beauty of God. It's the handiwork of God. And so I think that's what it reflects. It reflects the heart and mind of our God. And the scripture tells us we understand the invisible qualities of God through the visible qualities that we see in creation, right? Mm-hmm. Romans one twenty, And we see his, his power, his creativity. It reflects God all over, all over his handiwork. So, yeah, and we all know that, right? We all look at creation and enjoy it, and we see the beauty, the goodness of God, the beauty of God, um, the, the righteousness of God, the truth of God, even when we're fallen. Yeah. Some of it is still remained. You know, the, uh, the, the image of God has been uh, st- stained and tainted and broken in us, but not, but not erased. It's been defaced, but not erased. And so we still see goodness in people and in things because Amen. it's God. Amen. Closing thoughts, Matt? No, I, that was uh, that was beautiful, and I'm I'm glad you took us back to that place because it's easy <laughs> yeah. to get so discouraged. Right, right, uh, right. But you know that I think that's that's right, and regardless of what darkness we see around us, or just the confusion of new things and new times, uh, those the truth that we know about God and um, His goodness that's revealed in us and in creation that remains it's mm-hmm. indelible and um and that's why you know we've you know we talk about loneliness and all the things that we're seeking ultimately no matter what we create you know no matter what social medias we create with thousands of friends we still come back what do we what do we still come back to we still seek a relationship with our creator and real flesh and blood relationship with other human beings yeah in the end, it doesn't matter what other substitutes we, we go after, and we'll chase after anything. 
in the end, we always end up coming back to those things. Yeah. Yeah. There's no other salvation. Yeah. You know, someday a fella's going to marry a female robot or a, or a, a female's going to marry a male robot. They will divorce just like we do. Yeah. They will need redemption. <laughs> we, are, we need salvation. We can't get around it. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Well, uh, friends, I just want to encourage you to go and do something human. Do something, Amen. Do something human. Do something truly human today. Um, that's been our podcast. Thank you so much to Dr. Pipolini for being on the podcast with us. Thank you for having me. We're really grateful. And um, you guys, uh, keep your eye out for his book. Pete will give us the title one more time. Artificial General Intelligence in the Image of God. All right. Soon to be out before the new year. And that's it. If you would like to support the mission and ministry of Spirit and Truth, please go to our website, our um, our technology. <laughs> go to our website, <laughs> spiritandtruth.life slash give. There you'll find all of the information that you need. If you're interested in more conversation around the topic of artificial intelligence, then I encourage you to check the show notes of this episode for information about a free event hosted by Firebrand Magazine. On August 30th, from 6 to 7.30 p.m. at Stillwater Church in Dayton, Ohio, Firebrand Magazine will be hosting a panel discussion with faith and tech professionals on this topic, on the topic of AI and its implications for Christian life. So check the show notes for that information. It's a completely free event. If you're in the area, we hope to see you there. And we'll come back to you in the next conversation.